it's in moments like this that I stop and I think, okay, God, did I get the, did I, did I hear you correctly for tonight? Because really, I would rather just, I'd just really rather sit back and just minister about what we feel in the house. However, the other side, flip that, flip that coin over, and I realize God's calling us. God's calling us. The word I'm wanting to use is not the right word, but it's the closest I have. But God is calling us to perfection. And I know the first thing we think of is, is well, we can't be perfect. We're humans. But several times in the New Testament, once by the Lord himself, the others were by, by the Apostle Paul, I believe. Maybe even Peter mentioned it once. Live perfectly. So if it was an impossibility, then I don't think the word would have ever come. I'm, I'm afraid that I, because of our society and our dependence, our over-dependence upon mercy, we have, we have grasped the concept that, well, I can't. I, I'm just going to be full of mistakes, and that's just the way it is, so that's, I accept it. I don't think we should do that. I think we should strive to live perfectly. Mercy is for those times whenever our humanity overrides our Christianity. And then we find ourselves in need of forgiveness. That's when we depend upon mercy. We don't depend upon mercy just because I'm a human being and I'm going to make mistakes. Yes, we are human beings, and yes, we will make mistakes. I do understand that. But that is not, my humanity, your humanity, is not an excuse for us to be, to, to not strive for perfection. <clears throat> now, I don't, I don't want to throw a wet blanket on us, but I do feel that God is calling us. And I believe that these moments where that he invades the atmosphere. It's just him showing his love to us, saying, come on up a little closer. Come on, don't let your humanity keep you away from me. Come on up a little closer. So I want to talk to you about this topic tonight. What is sin? Or maybe a clearer title would be, what things are sin? That's where I'm headed. I'm not going to try to define sin, the word sin. We all understand what that is. But what are the things that, that constitute sin? This thought has been rolling around in my head for, for weeks now. And really it, it started while Donna and I were in, in Indiana uh, at the pastoral intensive that we, we were there for. But Chris read these scriptures to you Sunday morning, and I knew then, no, this is what I'm supposed to do tonight. And uh, I'm going to read the same scriptures he read to begin Sunday morning because I believe, I believe this is what God is doing. God is saying, come on, my church. I want to get you ready. And you say, well, is he wanting to get us ready for his second coming? Yes, that's true. 
but I think he's really wanting to get us ready to be his arms and his feet before he comes. The 21st verse of Matthew 7 started off this way. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Um, I, I called Chris Monday and I told him what my thoughts were, what my heartbeat was, and I said, am I, am I going to interrupt anything that you're, that you're going into for the next couple of lessons that he's got on the Sermon on the Mount? And he told me no. So I have his permission to use this and, then, and work it on in. He told me, he said, it doesn't matter. You're the pastor. You can say what you want. I said, no, no. You've been teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and I want God to finish what God has done because I really feel that God has given us something special out of the Sermon on the Mount. Chris has done an awesome, awesome job with that. Um, but from this passage of Scripture, Jesus is saying these things at the close of the Sermon on the Mount. Naturally, to read these verses by themselves I mean, they can be a little frightening. They can be a little confusing. Just to read them, because one may think the Lord is, is keeping a secret. He's keeping a secret as to, as to what it takes to make it into heaven, but that's not the case at all. Whenever we read that, that's not the case at all. It, it, I mean, because the, one of the first things we think of is, is well, what am I doing that, that may keep me out of heaven? I don't want to, and, firm, and frankly, I don't want to stand before him. Living my life, preaching for 30-something years now, over 35 years, and to hear him say, depart. I mean, I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I, I don't want to hear that. So I want to hear what it is that he wants and asks of me. Because there are things that are in our lives that can keep us out of heaven. Let me go to some scriptures that, that, that I use so often. To him that much is given, much is required. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I mean, those two scriptures by themselves tell us that the more we know and the longer we have served him, the more he expects of us. We expect the same thing out of our children. We have our babies and, and our babies begin to grow, but we don't expect our, our babies to, to get out and mow the yard when they're just a year old. We don't, we don't expect the impossible out of them. We allow them a chance to grow. Jesus has just spent the better part of a day teaching the people through the Sermon on the Mount. The point he is making reiterates the point that Chris has been driving home in every lesson. Except your righteousness. Exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. You shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
Folks, we are getting close to the coming of the Lord. I think it's imperative that, that you give me your undivided attention tonight and allow me to speak into your heart and say some things that may be hard to accept, but yet it's things that we know that we need. Now, I'm not going to try to re reteach Chris's lesson. He's already said this, but the scribes and the Pharisees were box checkers. Just as many 21st century Christians are today. Over the many years of ministry the Lord has allowed me, he has centered me on a central theme, and, and you know this to be true, that that theme has been relationship. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus. You can't have a relationship with the Bible. You can't, I mean, that's, that's wonderful if you, if you know it from cover to cover and you can quote every, every word in it. That's, that's wonderful. But unless you have done what the book says, it's all for naught, okay? Checking the boxes will not get you to heaven. Hear me. Checking the boxes does not get you to heaven. It's relationship that you've got to have. However, it doesn't take long when you sit in my chair to see that many Christians still live their life checking the boxes. The possibility even exists that many check the boxes and realize, don't realize that that's what they're doing. They're simply checking the boxes. This is what I believe Jesus is speaking of in these three verses. Chris read to you on Sunday and I just read to you in the beginning of this service tonight. I personally believe that it's not very hard to be saved. I, I believe that. I mean the first thing it requires of us is repentance. The next thing it requires of us is baptism in Jesus' name. I mean to be baptized. The only two things you can do for salvation is repentance and baptism. That's the only two things. And, well, you can say, well, three, you, you must desire and ask the Lord to come into your heart. But let me just say it like this. Why would you repent and submit to baptism if you didn't want the Lord to come into your heart? Okay? The, the giving of the Holy Ghost is a gift that comes from Him. And He gives that when we have met the con conditions that He sets upon us. I've often said, and, and I'm not going to go back and reteach that Bible study, but, but I have watched people, they would, they would go through repentance, they would be baptized, they would seek the Lord, and because they didn't get the Holy Ghost, they would leave and keep doing what they've always done, keep living the way they've always lived, because they did not get the Holy Ghost. My thought has always been, once you repent, and you submit to water baptism, you start living that moment like you've got everything God has given, has for you. I mean, there's, there, there's no place for you to, to stop at that, at that point because you realize the rest of it is His and He will do it in His time. I mean, it's an atmosphere such as, as we, were, we were just in worshiping and praising the Lord that the Lord could just slip up on your blind side and just baptize you with the Spirit of, with the Holy Ghost. 
But just as easy as it is to be saved, I also think it's just that easy to be deceived and to be lost. Now, I've made I've made the statement here lately that it's going to be harder to be lost than we think. However, the more you know and the more you understand, the more you're accountable for. So just as easy as it is to be saved, I think you can be deceived and 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 be lost just that easy. The devil is a destroyer and a deceiver. Jesus said of the devil in John 10, the thief cometh not but for to, to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his purpose. Outside of that, he has no purpose. I mean, did you ever stop and think about that? The devil has no purpose, really. He's an intruder. He's, um, he's not wanted. I mean, the, the sin, the things that we were talking in the foyer a while ago, just listening to people coming in, putting names on the prayer list. And I made the statement, there's so much trouble. Whether it's sickness, whether it's, I mean, brain cancer was on the prayer list tonight. Other, there were other cancers. on. I mean, some of the things that's being said about Brother John is, is leaning us to think that it may be a long road. However, I do think God has a miracle in, in the works for us. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. But from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, we see the devil as a master deceiver and accuser of every child of God. He is that. He's a master deceiver and he's an accuser. Frankly, church, the devil is doing a good job. He really is. The devil is not very concerned about your relationship with Christ as long as he has you checking boxes. While many that call themselves Christians are busy checking boxes, the needful things that they should be paying attention to is going undone. Now, let me just stop right here. And I don't know, maybe I do this a little later in these notes. I forget whether I've done this or not, but... What do I mean by checking boxes? I mean, I know in here I have a bullet point a little later on, but it's just, if you were raised Pentecost, if you were raised like I was raised, there are certain things you don't cut, there are certain things you don't wear, there are certain things you don't, you know, I, I, and that's what, you don't cuss, you don't lie, you don't steal, you don't do this, you don't do that. And at the end of the day, we may not physically do this, but we didn't lie today, and we didn't steal today, and we didn't commit adultery today, and we didn't do this today. So I'm in pretty good shape. That's what I mean by checking boxes. Here's, 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 here's the crux of us and what we should be doing. Things such as fasting, prayer, seeking the face of God, and being a witness is what is needful. And church, if we are not doing that, we're putting our souls in jeopardy. Okay? If you're not engaging in prayer on a regular basis, if fasting is not something that you've incorporated into your life, 
you're not seeking the face of God, you're putting your soul in jeopardy. Because that's what it takes to draw closer to Him. Whenever I met the, uh, and I don't remember if it was my, for my local license or my general license, I remember old Brother Pounder stepping up in front of us, and, you know, the potential candidates. And he says, I'm not going through a lot of things. He said, I'm going to go ahead and assume that each of you are fasting a day a week and praying an hour a day. You're reading at least five to ten chapters in your Bible every day. I, I'm sure that across that room of potential licensed candidates, there were some that said, ouch. Now, I've never been one to say that you've got to fast a day a week and you've got to pray an hour a day. I would rather say that you pray without ceasing. In other words, you stay in a frame of mind of prayer. Because if you stay in a frame of mind of prayer, then you solve a lot of your other problems. If you stay in a frame of mind of prayer, then you, then you are seeking the face of God. That's just, that just comes with it. Um, you cannot maintain a relationship with the Lord without fasting and prayer and seeking the face of God. And yes, I must include being a light to the world and a witness to those around you. Checking the boxes won't get it done. These are the needful things. When it comes to what we are called to do, we are called to prayer, fasting, seeking God and others. Jesus didn't come for himself. Please, please remember that. He didn't come to, come to the earth for himself. He came for people. People like you and me. People like your friends and neighbors. And even those that we don't know. You say, well, you know, well, who is, who is my neighbor? That question was asked in the Bible. I was thinking about it. I leaned back in my chair today as I was finishing up these notes. And I, I thought about that. Who is my neighbor? And I thought about, and this picture comes in my mind, of a man walking up, and many of you have heard these words. man walking up to another man saying, neighbor, I need to know where I can get or where I can do. In other words, it was, it's just a form of our speech. A fellow human being is a neighbor. Okay? We're there for them. They are important to the Lord, and so they must be important to us as well. Jesus told his disciples in John 13, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. But here was the verse that, that caught my attention years ago. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. If you don't have love one to another, you've lost the game before you even started it. So ask yourself, how am I doing with that? How am I doing with, with loving people around me? Please, I ask you, listen to me tonight. Let me speak to your heart. Let me, 
because I'm afraid there's some things that, that we get caught up in and, and I feel the pressure upon me to get this point across tonight that there are things that we are un, that we are absent-mindedly participating in that could jeopardize our souls. John 15, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. That's a beautiful passage of scripture. But again, how are we doing with that? You and I are branches, but do we resemble the vine? You say, well, what do you mean by do I, I resemble the vine? Brother Bruce, I, 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 I think I'm a good Christian. Do you walk like Jesus walked? Do you talk like Jesus talked? Do you participate in the things Jesus participated in? Let me ask you this. If Jesus walked in on you at a certain time today, would you have been embarrassed? If you would have been embarrassed at what you were doing or what you were saying or what you were telling someone else, that can jeopardize you. Oh, but I believe in mercy, and so do I. But mercy is for those places where we make mistakes, not for those places where we just open-mindedly and unashamedly walk into sin. Are you still with me? I understand for some the need to check boxes because checking boxes keeps us from giving in to what we think of as sin. I understand that. But have we considered what is sin and what things are sin? Have we considered that there may be some things that we are doing that is wrong, but yet it is not on our checklist? Now that thought ought to scare all of us to death. Many of us, here's that bullet point, many of us that were raised in Pentecost were taught, don't smoke this, don't drink that, don't go here, stay away from there. Don't wear this, don't tell that, don't keep that company, and the list can go on and on and on and on. When I was a teenager, I knew there were more don'ts than I knew there were do's. And I held that against the church for a long, long time. But I've come to realize there's more do's than there are don'ts. Even though the don'ts are important, there's a lot of do's that we can do. Amen. But what about our spirits and our attitudes? What about the things that is on God's list that might not be on ours? Uncle Leland, well, for most of you, you know it was, he's my uncle, but for Brother Briggs, he spent his entire ministry on spirits and attitudes. That's how important they are. I don't think any of us would want to just walk out there and just blatantly get involved in sin. Things that we know to be sin. But what about our attitudes and our spirit? Because when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, y'all, we are new creatures in Christ. When you give your heart to the Lord and say, I'm yours, then there should be, there's, there, there should be some Christ in you. In fact, 
the old you, because we are born of a sinful nature. That old you, you ought to, you ought to be the first to see the change in you. To realize, huh, I don't desire that anymore. I, I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Spirits and attitudes. That's, 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 that's what I want to center our thoughts on for the rest of this Bible study tonight. It's those things that maybe is not on our, on our list. And I know it's already 745, but you took up a lot of my time. Okay, God did it. All right, blame it on God. I know what you did. Blame it on God. I tell you what, Michael, I'm not going to read it from the King James Galatians 5. I'm not going to read it from the King James. I'm going to go straight to the NIV. I, I wanted to read this Galatians 5 from, from the King James because I just like the way it says it. But I want to I use the NIV because it's very clear. So let's go to the NIV, and I'm going to be beginning at the 13th verse. Now, what I'm talking about is things that can put your soul in jeopardy that is not on your box-checking list. You, my brothers, were called to be free. King James says, liberty. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. In other words, what I was just talking about a while ago about, well, I've got mercy, so I can do what I want to do. No, that's, that he's telling you right here, you can't do that. But do not use freedom to indulge in a sinful nature. Rather, listen, serve one another in love. Remember, a new commandment I give you, love one another. There's something about our relationship with each other that is extremely important. And I'm going to tell you something. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell some seasoned Christians this. If you have ought against a brother or a sister, you better get it right. It can jeopardize your soul. Well, Brother Bruce, that's not, you know, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know, I don't care. It doesn't matter. You've been called to a higher purpose. And when it's two Christians against each other, that's even worse. He is calling us to reconciliation. I found a long time ago, and this is just me, this is my nature, if somebody hurt me, if somebody talked about me, if somebody put me down, I would put myself in a position of having to honor them. Because it made me, well, before I could honor them, I had to forgive them. I won't tell you who, but I had, for a long time, I struggled with getting my license with the UPC because I had an official that hurt my dad deeply. 
My dad never held it against that man, but I did. I did. Because I, I felt like what he did to my dad, he lied to my dad. I was there. I saw it. That wasn't secondhand, thirdhand information. But I found myself later, as, as God began to get a hold of me and draw me closer to him, I found myself putting myself in a position of, and I could because this man was a high official. I put myself in a position of having to honor him. And it caused me to let go of my hurt. I realized he's a human being like I am. I'm not, I'm not excusing what he did, and I'm not saying that what he did wasn't wrong. But what he did is between him and God. It's not between me and him. And I had to let all that stuff go. I, I can tell you right now, there's not a one of you in here that I hold anything against. I don't care whether I've heard about some of the things you've said about me or not. No, trust me, I've not heard anything. So if you said something, you're safe, okay? Okay, I got to hurry. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. I think I've spent enough time on that. But I can't, I can't, I can't get away from this. If you have ought, please. If you have ought against a brother or a sister, well, you don't know them like I know them. I don't need to. God knows them better than you know them. And he's not calling you to be their judge. Well, but I just don't have to have, I don't have to have fellowship with him. No, but you've got to have the record right between them. You've got to have love for them. You've got to clear the air between you and them. Forgiveness has to be expressed. And forgiveness has got to be received. It's important. Otherwise, you can be in jeopardy. Verse 15, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Okay, I've said enough. Verse 16 and 17, let's take them together. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to to the spirit. In other words, this flesh is going to desire things that's not pleasing to God. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. The sinful nature doesn't want to fast. The sinful nature doesn't want to pray. The sinful nature does not want to seek the face of God. In fact, the sinful nature doesn't want to read the Word of God because it calls it, the, the sinful nature calls it boring. They are in conflict. The, the spirit and the sinful nature are in conflict with each other so that you do not want 
to do, let's see, so that you do not do what you want. Let me read 17 and, and without stopping. That way you get it in its full context. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Uncle Leland used to tell me all the time, if you hold something against somebody, you're only hurting one person. Hurting yourself. 18, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. But if you're led by the Spirit, you don't have to check boxes. Because if you're led by the Spirit, the boxes become irrelevant because you're not even considering the things that are on the list. I've often said the closer we get to Calvary, the more like Christ we want to be. That's what it's referring to here. Verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Now here's, here's, here's some box checking material. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Now, the, the, those, those things, we check our boxes every night. No, I, I didn't get involved in any of that. Let's look at verse 20. Idolatry. Now, wait a minute. There's not a one of us that would want to go worship Baal or Buddha or anything of that nature. We, we know that's not right. But money can become an idol. Your hobby can become an idol. I have, I have watched people, well, you know, Brother, Brother Bruce, I've, had, I've heard this kind of conversation. Brother Bruce, you know, I, I work six days a week. Whenever I get a chance to go do this and, or go do that, well, sometimes it's only Sunday I can go do it and, well, give God his first because whenever you begin to put something before God well I didn't put it before God I just didn't go to church well I got scripture about that too forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and do it even more even be more diligent about it the closer we get to the end and boy we're getting we're getting mighty close we, we should be extremely diligent I, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that for this church because if we brought all of the classes in here, we would pretty much have a Sunday crowd. Our Wednesdays are just as strong as any other service, and thank you for being that faithful. Yes, we have some that don't come on Wednesday. Yeah, I know about that. We just keep praying for them because they need to hear this message tonight. I mean, really, and I'm not trying to be funny about that. But idolatry, that's, that's something that can slip up on the blind side of us because anything that we put before God becomes an idol. 
and witchcraft. Well, now, I, none of us in here are going to start worshiping the devil uh, or, or get involved in witchcraft. Hatred. Now, none of us would never purposely hate anybody. But you know, it can slip up on you to where, well, I don't hate them, I just despise them. They're so fickle, they do this, they do that, they, you know. Mm, there's no room for that. There's no room for that. That's, that can jeopardize your soul. The more you know, the more that can jeopardize your soul. Discord. Man. Come on, Paul. You ought to give us a break here. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Discord and jealousy. That's, that's again, we're going back to relationships with others. Here, let me say this. For instance, you don't like what I'm teaching tonight. I'm just going to be honest with you. You don't like what I'm teaching tonight. So after church, you get home, and you call brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. You know, I, I just, I, I'm just not with Brother Bruce on that. I just, you're so in discord. Oh, well, Brother Bruce, you just don't want to be talked about. No. No, I'm just telling you what the Word says. Because if you've got a problem with me or anybody else, you go to them and you discuss it with them. Okay? You clear the air with them. If you don't like what I'm teaching tonight, come and talk to me about it. Then after, after I tell you my point of view about the... Maybe you just... Maybe your mind took a drift for a few minutes and you missed an important cue and then you came in at, a, at another time and then all of a sudden that didn't make sense to you. And So maybe after we talk about it, you, then you'll say, oh, I see. I didn't hear you say that. Jealousy is cruel as a grave. If you're jealous, get over it. I'm serious. I'm serious as a heart attack about that. You know what jealousy means? It means you don't trust. Husbands and wives that, that they're jealous of each other, you're saying, I don't trust, I don't trust you. Oh, now, Brother Bruce, don't, don't say that. No, I'm, I'm telling you, you don't trust each other. However, the other, the other spouse that's creating the jealousy, what's your actions? Don't give them reasons to not trust you or reasons to be jealous of you. But if it's just inherent in your nature to be jealous, get over it. There's no room. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen? Fits of rage, there's no room for that. Well, maybe I need to go to anger management. No, you need to pray through. You need to pray through. Again, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Selfish ambition. These are things that, box checking stuff. Selfish ambition. In other words, I want it all for me. 
I'm going to tell you what, if Don and I lived our life like that, we would probably be living in one of the richest neighborhoods in some major metropolitan area because I could sell elevator tickets in a one-story building. I mean, you know, I knew what I could do. God gave me ability to sing. I, I, I could have probably recorded hit songs and been famous and, and all of that stuff, and I'm not patting myself on the back about my vocal ability. But if that would have been my ambition, if I would have allowed my ambition for who I wanted to be, to rule me, oh, we could be very wealthy. But, I, well, but I'll tell you like this, I'm wealthy now. I'm just wealthy in another way. I got you. I got you in my life, and you're worth more than millions. And you think that's funny, but it's not. To have your love and your support. You don't know how Donna and I feel about that. When y'all do the grocery shower for us, my kids can tell you, we stand around that island where all that stuff is piled up, and we pray over you, and we thank God for you, and we weep to think that you love us enough to do something like that for us. And I know for some of you, you think, well, that's no big deal. Anytime you do something for us, it's a big deal. It is. Dissensions. Oh, i got to hurry. I'm over, I'm over time, but it's God's fault. Okay, you didn't want to accept for blame, so it's God's fault. Dissensions. Factions. Okay, let me move on. Verse 21, which is the last one. And envy. There's no room for dissensions, for factions, for envy, for drunkenness, orgies. Now, I know. Okay, I figured that's about what would happen whenever I said that. Y'all would laugh. You know what the latest thing in Grant Parish is? And it's going to shock you. The latest thing in Grant Parish, I'm not talking about Los Angeles. I'm not talking about San Francisco, New York, Atlanta, Dallas, Houston. I'm talking about Grant Parish. Wife swapping. you I want you to, I know I know you find some things to laugh here but this is Grant Parish and there are people you know that are involved in it let me say this before I go any further if there's people you know that are involved in it you will eventually get petitioned it's wrong it's a sin. I've already heard the words, well, it's not wrong if, we, if we're both consenting adults. It's not adultery if we, we're both consenting. I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard that. It's sin. Let me say it again and again. It is sin. So let me finish 21. I warn you as I did before. 
that those who live like this, read the rest of that with me. All of the things I just read to you, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Church, I beg you, please listen to what I have said tonight. It could save your soul. While I am a student of the mercies of God, God will not overlook your blatant shunning or ignoring of his word. Standing before the judgment seat of Christ, pleading with him saying, I didn't know that. That verse in the Bible, I, I didn't think that applied. I, I applied to that or that applied to me. You won't be able to use that as an excuse because he's given his word and his word is clear. I am convinced that we will get to heaven and we're going to find out that some of the things we're so adamant about that, are, that we think are really sin, they're not even, God didn't even think about them twice. They were passed down to us. They were traditions passed down to us by our elders. And, and, but, and, and I'm all for honoring the traditions of our elders because I don't want to... I remember when TV was, was the big topic. Okay? And I used to wonder, what's wrong with Mayberry? Andy Griffith. But look where it's led us to. Could our elders, could our elders, even though we thought there was something wrong with the way they would preach and we wanted to rebel against it, but could they see something then that we can't see, that, that we are seeing now, but we couldn't see it then? Let me tell you. I'm for honoring their beliefs. I would rather get to heaven and know that I gave something up that I didn't have to give up than to stand before God and hear him say, you let that thing stay in your life and I tried to get it out of your life. Depart from me. I never knew you. But the one thing that I believe would cost more Christians their eternal home heaven is their attitude, their spirit, and how they treat others. I really believe that. That's going to be, that, that, that's going to be so paramount. Jesus, along with the apostles in their writing, spent much time dealing with our relationships as Christians with others. Just prior to Gethsemane and Jesus' arrest, one of the last things he told his disciples prior to Calvary was what I've already read to you tonight. A new commandment I've given to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men shall know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. Ask yourself tonight, how am I doing with that? If something is coming to mind right now, you better act on it and get things straight between you and whoever. Because after living your life, living for God, then to stand before him and hear him reject you, and you know, and I believe you will know, that you were rejected because of how you treated someone or others would be so horrible. I can only imagine. That song, I can only imagine, talks about the beauty and the splendor. But I can only imagine knowing I didn't make it into heaven because and you fill in that blank 
say, Brother Bruce, what am I to do? How, how? Okay, go, go find Galatians 5 and, and begin to read on the acts of the, the works of the flesh, the acts of the flesh. That you stay away from. Those are the things that you do, that you do not do. You move on down to the next verse that I didn't get into, and it, that was the fruit of the Spirit of what you're supposed to be. And I could have ended that way, more maybe in a more positive note. But the best thing you can do is, as Paul said, I die daily. And I believe in his dying daily. The one thing he asked of God is anything that's between me and you. Show it to me and let me get it out of my life. Above all else, I must be saved. I can't afford to miss heaven. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, so grateful, so thankful for your word, so thankful for the move of the spirit that has been in this service. You prepared our hearts. You plowed us. You opened our minds and our hearts tonight to receive the word. Now I ask you, the places that this word was most needed, let that, let that place be churned up. Let us be uncomfortable until we fix what is wrong. God, we've got to be saved. Don't let us by our own ignorance and our own stupidity to be lost. I ask you, highlight the things in our life that are wrong that you need, that you want us to correct. I ask it in the name that is above every name. Now I ask you to be with us Sunday. I ask you to be with us in our service. May the anointing of the Holy Ghost be here in a great and a special way. I pray for the peace of God to be in the funeral service that will happen here on Friday. Comfort those families. Bless them and touch them. May the glory of God, may the glory of God reign supreme in each of our lives. And we give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand praise. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.